0: Welcome to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. This is Liza Berger, editor of McKnight's Home Care. I'm so pleased to have with me today, Joanne Cunningham, CEO of the Partnership for Quality Home Health Care. Thank you for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. Obviously, there was some big news uh, this week of great interest to home health operators. A bill postponing steep Medicare cuts was introduced in the Senate. What are your thoughts about it? Well, we were
1: delighted uh, that our bill was introduced in the Senate and soon to be introduced in the House as well. And um, given that the rule came out on June 17th, I, I think it speaks volumes that we have already seen some pretty quick reaction from the Hill suggesting that they are certainly not comfortable with the level of cuts and certainly are very, very concerned about what it would do to home health access to Medicare
0: beneficiaries. How did this bill come to be? Can you talk a little bit about the lobbying that went behind it? Sure. Well, the partnership
1: has been working for well over a year, anticipating that We may see a proposed rule this year that would include some reductions. And so the whole issue is kind of rooted in how CMS is determining budget neutrality, which is a requirement of the law from budget neutrality from the old payment model to the new one, which began in 2020. So the partnership has been doing a lot of work, a lot of analysis, a lot of policy work determining how CMS is kind of going about their assessment or determination of budget neutrality. And this started with our um, response and our work on the proposed rule and then the final rule that came out last year. So we certainly had sort of this well-established kind of landscape of work or work product to fall back on. So when this year's rule came out, I would say the industry was kind of ready to evaluate it very quickly. We work hand in glove with the National Association for Home Care and Hospice. And I would say the industry has been never united as strongly as what I've seen in these recent months on tackling this issue. And it was pretty clear with the proposed rule that we believe that CMS's approach is flawed, has very significant flaws, and we quickly discussed this and and advocated and educated on the Hill. And there's a lot of folks in Congress who strongly support um, home health. And two of them you saw as the Senate sponsors. And here we are before the end of July. I don't know how many business days later, but not too many. And we already have a Senate bill introduced and the House one to quickly follow.
0: Why do you think that there's so much support in in the Senate and in Congress for this bill that would allow them to act so quickly? Well I do think that home health is it's
1: obvious what kind of support and healthcare delivery system home health offers to older Americans and people with disabilities and people want to be at home. I think COVID you know, kind of amplified lots of things, uh, strengths and weaknesses of our healthcare system. And one thing was pretty clear in, in during COVID is people would like to be able to receive more care in the home if they can. It's safer. It's their preferred option for healthcare services. And I think Congress understands that many of them from a personal standpoint having had family members receive home health care at very vulnerable times in their rehabilitation or recovery and so when we talk about home, the importance of home health care, I've yet to see a, a policymaker not say wonderful things about needing to strengthen and support and make sure that home health care is a vital and strong part of the health care system.
0: So what is CMS doing uh, right now? What are they going to be doing in a month? What are they going to be talking about? What are they going to be thinking about? Are they going to be saying, geez, there's a lot of pressure on us to change this rule? <laughs> uh, I know it, it may not uh, come come out exactly that way, but <laughs> what are your thoughts about the conversations that might be happening at CMS? You know, from your lips to,
1: as they say, God's ears. Honestly, I hope they are um, taking a hard look at the proposed rule. I hope they are taking a real second look at the methodology. I, I think they're, I hope they're listening to the comments and hearing our response to this. And I hope they truly are going to be rethinking this approach And we think they certainly have the capacity to make changes in their methodology and perhaps have gotten it wrong. And so uh, we are doing a lot of work to, you know, to highlight that. So I certainly hope that, you know, what is happening in a month is exactly what you said, which is we've got to get this right. The home health sector and community makes valid points and we need to take another look and there is a different way to approach this.
0: What uh, will happen? And if you could kind of just even give me a concrete example, what's it gonna look like if a rule like this, um, this rule or something similar goes into effect, how, it, will, it ha- how will it affect like the, a hypothetical provider?
1: Well, and it's funny because we I've been looking a lot at the data and the impact analysis, which we will be releasing soon, but it's pretty dire. And there will be, and and providers are already contemplating, if this doesn't change, what am I going to do at January 1, 2023? And what that looks like is, uh, and think about the home health model. Most home health organizations are largely workforce. You know, it's not buildings and kind of bricks and mortar. It's uh, staff, clinicians, home health nurses, therapists, home health aides, all the case managers, all the clinicians, the schedulers, uh, all of that. That's people power. So my guess and what I've heard is that the first thing that is looked at is how do we Kind of tamp that down. How do we cut that uh, workforce apparatus? And what that means is that has a direct impact on your ability to provide services to patients. Um, we're already seeing a lot of uh, a lot of difficulty in meeting the demand that exists out there, and that will worsen significantly. And I'll tell you that the areas that I worry most about are rural areas, hard-to-serve areas, complicated cases that involve a lot of resources. Those, I would imagine, are are the most kind of precarious parts of the, the delivery system that would feel the squeeze and the cuts, I would think, very quickly if
0: this should occur. Talk to us a little bit about who your members are and what they're telling you. Sure. So the partnerships uh, members
1: are many of the kind of national companies. We have uh, for-profits, not-for-profits. But the organizations that tend to have the organizational structure to serve Uh, large uh, capacities of cases. So, you know, multi-state footprints, they're more sophisticated operations because of their size and so forth. And what I'm hearing from the leaders of those organizations is real concern. This isn't a fire drill at all. This is the fire is actively approaching. So we have to make changes this isn't status quo. Starting January one, you got to be prepared for this. So I'm hearing that, um, you know, how do you do that? I've heard some CEOs talk about uh, workforce reductions they're going to have to make. I've heard lots of CEOs talk about right now. There's certain kinds of cases that are more difficult to serve. Like I said, in hard to serve communities. Those are probably the most vulnerable cases that providers will not be able to continue to service. You just hear kind of across the board, this is not nothing. This, this will, um, if November 1st occurs and no change is made, there's going to be a lot of change between November 1st and January 1st that is essentially putting plans in place to downsize this entire home health capacity that exists today.
0: Did CMS have to go in this direction? And obviously they're building their proposed rule around numbers. And do you think in their mind that this makes sense? Um, We do not believe at all
1: that this approach is the right approach with respect to how they're determining the budget neutrality of the old system to the new, which that is the centerpiece of the whole issue, because how you ascertain that essentially then drives these temporary or permanent adjustments as a result. So we think they got it wrong. Uh, We think they do have policy choice within the letter of the law that would allow them to determine budget neutrality with uh, utilizing kind of other factors that they did when they determined the same thing on the SNF side. I certainly think CMS thinks that they're right and that they, uh, you know, I think have maintained that this was the policy decision was was due to factors that they assumed they I guess had to do Um, I you know I certainly can't speak for CMS but they're all hardworking, very smart people who are making decisions I'm sure that they think are the best ones and the right ones we fundamentally and vehemently disagree that their approach is the right one and we think it's seriously flawed
0: Obviously, this is a huge issue right now, but home care in general is really making waves um, in health care. What kind of trends do you see stepping away from this issue? What, sure. what do you see as most likely to stick around in the next few years beyond the pandemic?
1: Well, I do think that care in the home... Is going to continue. And it's in a way, it's a trend that is just going to move with or without policy apparatus that kind of encourages it and supports it. People want to receive care in the home. And so providers across the spectrum are trying to figure out how do I do that? How do I meet that need? Now, it so happens that the home healthcare system has been developed for decades, <laughs> developing a clinical expertise. of of how to provide care successfully, high quality care in the home. So I happen to think that home health providers are uniquely situated, but care is moving in the home. And that is a trend that will just march on. And I think it will be supported by policy at the state and federal level. I think another trend that we've seen grow even during the pandemic, certainly has been the use of technology and remote patient monitoring and other kind of technologies that allow for patients to be served in addition to a clinician, but also using supportive technology that enhances the clinical eyes and ears on that patient. I've seen a lot of these technologies. They work really well. I think we're going to see more of them, not less of them. I think there needs to be more proactive public policy to get us there, but we are certainly well on our way. And I also think another trend is we've got to figure out ways to grow this workforce and put some serious investment into home health, home care, hospice to support what we have, but also figure out how we ramp up significantly our uh, recruitment and retention efforts. And I think that needs to be a federal policy-driven initiative that puts a lot of effort, energy, and resources into designing and building that.
0: If you had a crystal ball, how would you see the remainder of 2022 playing out in terms of different regulatory and legislative issues? I certainly think all the
1: payment issues that are ongoing are pointing to a broader theme that there's some distress in the healthcare system. And I I think Congress is hearing a lot from providers across the continuum, including home health, about the need for policy to support and strengthen and modernize even the healthcare structure. So I hope we'll continue to see that theme get a lot of attention and get a lot of discussion and focus because it really needs to occur. Healthcare providers were the unsung heroes of the pandemic and providers, you know, you think back to things like PPE and how providers across the spectrum, I mean, in home health, they had to completely build a PPE capacity that they never before um, had to access. And yet they did it overnight, as did um, you know, the other parts of the healthcare continuum. They moved really quickly to figure out how to adjust their own clinical operations to meet this need. And I think we need to be mindful that all of these uh, health care workers, home health care included, they stepped up and were part of the solution to managing and addressing the biggest public health emergency this country, this world has ever seen. And so we need to put that front and center and figure out how we support that system going forward and collectively work with policymakers to do no harm, first of all, but strengthen and support most of all.
0: That's terrific. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Joanne Cunningham, with Partnership for Quality Home Healthcare. Well, thank you, and thanks for
1: having me. It was it was wonderful to be here, and I hope we can do this again. And if you need anything else, I would be happy to provide it or touch base again.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in home care news, visit McKnightshomecare.com.